morning, church. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Maybe a little bit too good of a Thanksgiving? Got to be at my in-law's house, and let's just say I uh, overdid. Um, but that's, that's what you're supposed to do on Thanksgiving. You're supposed to enjoy that time and, and be with family. And now it is Christmas. I actually feel like it's been Christmas for a couple of months. Um, I feel like Christmas every year continues to start earlier and earlier and earlier. If you go to Walmart, Target, if you go to Lowe's, you see Christmas trees in September. And it's like, okay, what's, what's going on here? But this should be an exciting time. I feel like this is a year where we kind of wanted Christmas to start a little bit sooner. Uh, we wanted to kind of have or enter in into this season of hope because I think we're all looking for hope. I know that in my house, uh, Christmas definitely started a lot sooner as the Hallmark movies began in October. Um, as uh, my wife loves to watch those, and we put our Christmas tree up in November. That was new for me. Uh, but I think in times like this, we're all kind of running to find hope. And Christmas, especially the season of Advent leading to Christmas, gives us a glimpse of that hope that we are all looking for. You see, Advent is important for us right now because we are all longing for things to be made new, for things to be set right. And Advent celebrates the fact that God came to dwell with us in Jesus. God came to be with us. He sought us out. And this first week of Advent is the week of hope. It points us to the hope that we have in our coming Savior, and it teaches us that all of our longings Everything that we are hoping for is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is the light in the darkness. And during this Advent season, what we want to do is prepare our hearts to receive Jesus. If you, if you don't realize that this is a time where we need to prepare because he is coming, he has been promised to us, and we need to be ready for him. And there's good news for us this morning because I think all year we've been waiting for good news. And Jesus is the good news that is better than anything that we could ever ask for. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What are you putting your hope in right now? Who are you looking to to provide all the answers to meet your needs? We're going to be reading from the book of Isaiah this morning, and Isaiah gives us a prophecy, a glimpse of the hope that we have been promised. So I actually want to invite you to stand. I like to have us stand. We begin our time together, and as we read this passage, we're going to begin our time in Isaiah, and then we're going to go to John uh, later on. Let's read his word. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2, 6 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So this prophecy from Isaiah was good news to the nation of Israel, and it's good news for us today. And as I said before, I feel like we've been waiting and hoping for good news all this year with what's going on with the virus, with what's going on with politics and our culture right now. We're just hoping to see maybe in the media some positive news. Have you ever been in a place of waiting? I know we all are right now, but just maybe think a little bit deeper personally. Have you ever been in a place where you were just waiting and hoping for good news and when that good news came, just how overwhelmed with joy you were. Recently, um, Caitlin and I announced that we are expecting our first child, um, and it is a boy, and we are so excited. Um, it's been an interesting first couple months, but a, a joyous time for us as starting off our marriage together. Uh, and uh, I just thank you for also for your prayers, as Caitlin has been, you know, struggling with morning sickness and all those things, and. Recently, we decided to do uh, the genetic testing to just make sure everything was healthy with the baby, but also to find out the gender a little bit sooner. And so we went to do the genetic testing, and they said it would take about 72 hours to find out to the, the results. And they gave us a link to go on to this website that would show us the results. So after 72 hours, we kept going on and checking, and the results were not there. We're like, okay, the next day we would check the results were not there. Okay, we really want to know the gender of this baby, but we also want to know everything is okay. And so we kept checking, checking. About a week and a half later, we're like, we're getting a little bit frustrated. We're like, what's going on here? We finally get a call from the doctor. And so we sit on the couch. We're just holding each other's hand. We're just hoping for good news. And the doctor said, your baby is perfectly healthy. Everything is fine. And we were just like, thank you, Lord. And then they said, do you want to know the gender? We're like, yes. It's a boy, and we just started, well, I wept like a baby, um, but we were both just overwhelmed with joy and relieved. Good news was given to us. This passage, this prophecy that Isaiah gives to the nation of Israel is good news, and when we read it, we should be overwhelmed with joy that a Savior has been given to us. In verse 2, the people were walking in darkness and have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. I think this tells us that when things seem the darkest in our lives, God brings light into the scene. And here's the reality. Darkness is real. We all face difficult times and challenges and for the nation of Israel, they were going through a very, very difficult time. They were currently in exile. They were not in their native land. They were separated from family. They were in different culture, but they were also not walking in step with God and being obedient. They were looking for answers and their source of salvation elsewhere. They were looking to consult spirits and other medians. They were consulting the dead rather than the living. 
And with, when Christ came onto the scene, it was a very dark time politically and spiritually for the nation of Israel. They were in spiritual captivity. I feel like the year 2020 has kind of felt like exile for us. Separated from family, not able to go throughout our normal way of life. We really want to get just back to normal. But for you personally this morning, what is the darkness that you have been walking in? What are the dark times? Is it just being in a place of uncertainty? Being in limbo? Is it depression, anxiety, possibly broken relationships with family members, with friends? I think we all have very different answers, but we can all say that we struggle sometimes with dark times, but especially for us as believers, how can we as believers still be walking in darkness? I think when we keep things in the shadows, rather than confessing and repenting of our sin before God, we remain in darkness. We continue to walk in darkness when we look to the world for answers and rely on our own righteousness to save us. 1 John 1, 5 says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. You see, we have to choose to step into the light that is given. God has entered into the scene. He has brought light in Jesus, but we have to choose to step into that light if we are to experience it. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. God has revealed himself to us so that we might know him. And he gives us light. Jesus enters into our mess and brings light to our dark and seemingly hopeless circumstances. Even in darkness, there is hope because of Jesus. In verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. You see, the gift of Jesus displays for us the grace of God. We did nothing to earn Jesus' coming. We did not prepare for it. We did not set up everything with our human plans. This was all God. And he gave us Jesus when he knew we needed him the most. This was his plan of redemption, which means God's love for you is bigger than you could ever imagine. And it is not dependent on you. This was all God. It says the government will be on his shoulders. What that means is that all authority will be given to Jesus he is going to reign as king in our lives, and he is sufficient in his power and authority. He is not going to be a small king, a small ruler, a temporary person in power and authority, but all of government, all of everything is going to rest on him. In Colossians 1, it says, it is in him that all things hold together because he is perfect. He is not a small king who is imperfect, but he is one that we can put our hope in and trust and then Isaiah gives us a picture of the kind of savior and king that Jesus is. He goes on to say, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are pretty lofty names. Wonderful Counselor. What does that mean? He is a wonderful Counselor. Number one, I think it means that his wisdom will be beyond our thinking and comprehension. His ways are not our ways. He, his view is an eternal view. Ours is temporary. He does not act out of human wisdom. There is no one who can counsel Jesus because he is perfect. Jesus is able to reveal to us the mind of God. I think one of the reasons why he also refers to him as wonderful counselor because we need a counselor. We need someone who will speak truth into our lives. I think a lot of times, well, I think a lot of people actually do see a counselor and it's good to see someone to seek wisdom and there's nothing wrong with that. I've sought counseling before when I needed an outside perspective rather than listening to my own voice, my own way of thinking. And with Jesus being a counselor, that means that he listens to you. He cares about what is going on in your life. We can go to Jesus and he listens to us. And by him being a counselor, that means he is inviting us into his presence to confess, to bring the things that are keeping us in darkness to him so that we might find freedom. Being a counselor also means that he speaks to us. Do you listen to the voice of Jesus in your life? Are you allowing him to be that wonderful counselor who can show you the path to freedom and life and fullness in him? It says that Jesus came in grace and truth. Are we allowing the perfect wisdom of God to speak into our lives? I like this next name that he gives Jesus. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Our God is not a little God, amen? He is not just something that we made up or a God that we can put in a box because we don't need a small God in our, li in our life. We need a glorious, mighty, powerful God. There is no one who is like him. He has authority over all things. And everything in his plans he will accomplish. No, no one can thwart the plans of God, not even us. Even when we make mistakes, God is still at work and his plan will come to fruition in our lives. He is victorious in all things. Every battle belongs to him. Are you allowing God to be the one who fights your battles? Because I can tell you, he will reign victorious in your life. Scripture says that he is mighty to save and he will bring you to safety. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He is a mighty God. He is the God who parts the seas. He is the God who slays giants. He is the God who makes dry bones dance again. He is the God who brings us out of exile. If there's anyone who's going to bring us out of the year 2020, it's going to be God. <laughs> He's the God who returns our wasted years. He's the God who makes something out of nothing. There's a story of a woman who came to faith in Jesus in her, later in life in her 60s, and she said to her pastor, I feel like I've wasted so many years. And her pastor said to her, all those years up to this point have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and have been used to glorify your Father in heaven. He returns our wasted years and uses it for our good. What looks like nothing in your life? What looks wasted? Because I guarantee you, 
Jesus can use those years to show himself powerful. The, the thing is, if you're not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come because of Jesus. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. See, he is just, he's not just a king. He's not just a political figure, but he is a loving father who cares for his children. And he says he is an everlasting father, which means his love for you is eternal. It is not a momentary thing that God loves you or that you can do anything to change the way that God feels about you. His love for you is eternal. It does not grow weary. It does not grow faint. It does not change. And the fact that he is an everlasting father means that he will never abandon you. I think there's someone who needs to hear that this morning, that your heavenly father will never abandon you. He will always be there for you. He is always longing for relationship with you. I think the most tragic stories that I hear is of children whose father has abandoned them. This heavenly father will never leave you nor forsake you. And maybe that dark place that you're currently in is a father wound that remains hidden. And he is inviting you this morning to give that to him so that he can show himself to be a father who loves you. I have been very blessed this morning with a father who loves me, an earthly father who loves me, who has shown me what the love of my heavenly father means. He gives me a glimpse of the love that God has and I just am thankful for all that he has done and that my father has always shown me that he is there for me, but he's always taught me that my heavenly father is the one who truly will never let me down. And we can rest secure this morning in the fact that our heavenly father will always be there. He also gives him the name Prince of Peace. This is a very significant uh, one right now because can you maybe look into our world and see where there isn't peace? There's a lot of division. You see, in Jesus, all things are made new. Where there is hatred, where there is division, there will be peace and there will be reconciliation between all people. There will be restoration of the entire world under the reign and rule of Jesus. All nations will be brought together. And what an amazing sight that will be. Where do we need peace right now? I would say politics is one area. There is so much division and animosity in our culture, but I also think there's division within the church. And we need to realize that in Jesus, we, are, we need unity. And in the prosperity that Jesus will bring in his kingdom, the most desirable, I think, will be peace. I think there's such a restlessness within us that, that something is not right and that there's something wrong between us and God, between us and other people. But the peace that Jesus brings is not just an outward peace, it's an inward peace and it's peace with God. Our faith in Jesus restores our broken relationship with our Heavenly Father. Paul says in Romans 5, therefore, since, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. 
Where do you need peace right now in your life? Where do you feel restless or anxious? I think this is why we pray, be anxious for nothing, so that the peace of, that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is a promise for us this morning. When we come to God in prayer, he, allow, he gives us, he dispenses of that peace into us so that we might have rest and relief so that we can trust in him. I think sometimes we live with a restlessness that just dictates every area of our life. We allow it to rule us. It dictates our decisions. And we tolerate this anxiousness in our soul rather than coming to the one who is the ruler of peace. You see, Jesus, he is the prince of peace. He has the authority to, dis to dispense peace into our lives. I think one of the reasons why we can't find peace is our lack of contentment in life. And it is at the feet of Jesus where we find contentment and peace. We will never find peace if we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. If we complain that we aren't where we think we should be in life. Or we don't receive the recognition we believe that we deserve. Or we're constantly coveting what other people have. Rather than being content with what God has given us what God has provided. A.W. Tozer said that within the human heart, things have taken over. Men have now by nature no peace in their hearts, for God is crowned there no longer. But there in the moral dust, stubborn and aggressive usurpers fight amongst themselves for first place on the throne of our hearts. When other idols have supremacy in our lives, we will constantly be let down. And we will be in a never-ending search for fulfillment. But when we allow Jesus to be the Lord of our life, we can experience his ultimate peace. Our hope will be secure because he is the Prince of Peace. In verse 7, Isaiah goes on to say, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and and righteousness from that time on and forever. The hope of Jesus is an everlasting hope. It is not a hope of this world. It is not an empty promise. It is something that endures and will carry us on to eternity. We are left so disappointed and so unsatisfied with the hope that this world brings us. We have to look to Jesus to be our hope because the kindness of God is not temporary. It does not end. And when we make mistakes, when we stumble, it is there again to uphold us, to bring us back into relationship with him. It is constantly fighting for our attention and our worship and our allegiance we can rest assured in the hope of Jesus. And the kingdom of Jesus is going to be perfect. Wouldn't that be great if our world was perfect? Well, Isaiah promises us, he promises us that the kingdom of Jesus is going to be perfect in justice and in righteousness. Everything that is wrong will be made right. Doesn't that make you feel good? This is going to come to pass. 
And so we can look and hope with expectancy of the coming of our Savior because of the kingdom that he's going to bring. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. God's plans are unstoppable. They cannot be changed because he he is faithful and his promises are true. You see, this is God's plan independent of Israel deserving this. They were disobedient towards God. They went their own path. They were put into exile. They sought the things of this world, the spirits of darkness, and they rebelled against him. But God's plan was secure. God's person, Jesus, God's light, his intervention, it was not dependent on Israel to be ready. You see, he fulfills both He fulfills both sides of the covenant. He does what he's going to do. And then in Jesus, through his work on the cross, he holds us up and makes us righteousness so that we might receive that hope. What do we need to do? We need to simply believe and step into the light. So we are given a prophecy in the book of Isaiah And now in John, we see a prophecy fulfilled. If you want to put the next passage on the screen. This is John 1. It says, In him was life, speaking of Jesus, and that light was the light of all mankind. The the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome him. You see, he is not a light for some. He is a light for all people. He is the light that pushes back every single type of darkness. Continuing on, verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. We cannot miss the coming of our Savior. He came to that which was his own, his own people, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. It was all him. And Jesus brings us into the family of God through his work, his righteousness. Not of our own effort, but because of his love for us. And in verse 14, this is it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God came to us to walk with us, to be with us, to bring us back into right relationship with him. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Prophecy given, prophecy fulfilled. God himself has come to dwell with us, to save us, to restore us, and to rescue us from the darkness that we are walking in. And he came to offer grace, to lift the burden of sin off of you and carry it to the cross. Did you know that? He came to lift the burden off of your shoulders, the burden of sin, the burden of guilt and shame that you might be carrying this morning. He came to to take that from you so that you might experience freedom. And he came to bring truth. I believe that the world is starving for truth right now. We see a lot of things that 
tell us one thing, but then do another. And we are just looking for someone and something to tell us what is right, what is good. And Jesus is the embodiment of truth. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. Hope has come to us in Jesus. The light promised to us has come. So what does this mean for you? How does this apply to us today? This is a prophecy that was given thousands of years ago. So what does it mean? Number one, it means that we need to step into the light of Jesus. Light has dawned on those living in darkness, so we need to step into the light. How do we do that? Number one, faith embraces the light. We need to stop hiding. We live with hidden darkness, harboring hidden fears and shame. Earlier I read 1 John 1 about if we as believers are living in darkness. But if, in verse 7 it says, but if we are living in light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light means to allow the Holy Spirit to expose our fears and our failures, our false sense of security in the world, and the lies that we have allowed ourselves to believe, the lies that we tell ourselves. If we step into the light, we can find freedom in Christ this morning and take hold of the hope that has been promised to us in him. Coming to Jesus also means that we need to confess and come clean and see the healing flow. In Jesus, at the work of the cross, there is healing for us spiritually and physically. It means we need to bring these things to his feet to find that he has already dealt with it on the cross. Right now, I just want to tell you that you might be carrying a burden that you do not need to carry anymore. And you're fearing a judgment that you do not need to fear. Jesus has done away with all of that. He has taken the judgment upon himself. He has taken the burden off of you and taken it to the cross. You need to find freedom this morning. That is the hope of Christmas. That is the hope that we have in Advent of looking to the Savior who has taken our sin from us and has done away with it so that we can find new life and hope. That is good news for us. That is why we say at the time of Christmas, well, it says, good news has come for all men. And when we read this, we should be filled with joy. Another thing for us this morning is that when we walk in the light of Jesus, we allow his light to shine in us and through us to the world. Matthew 5, 16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. How are you allowing the light of Jesus to shine in your life so that others might be brought to the foot of the cross and find hope and freedom in Jesus? The light that we've been given, that we've been invited to step into this morning is a light for the entire world that he wants us to share with those around us. But first... Are you living in the light or are you still walking in darkness? Jesus this morning is inviting us to put our hope and trust in him.
and his work and to realize that he is not a hope long ago, but he is a living hope who is alive and at work within us. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace who wants to rule and reign in our hearts and our lives so that we might be free. Are you free this morning? Come to Jesus, step into the light and allow him to be your hope and your savior. Let's pray.